What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. So hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Conscious Love Show podcast. Shane here. I am your host. I'm very excited to be back with you today. As always, it is a pleasure and a privilege to be here, to be able to share and, and connect and um, and speak into something that I'm passionate about and I know a lot of you are passionate about, which is the topic of conscious relationships. And um, today what we're going to talk about is the idea of do you hate men? And I also want to say that uh, we could probably just as easily say, you know, do you hate women? Because I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today goes for both sides. You know, there's a lot of a, a lot of us, you know, both men and women who build up a lot of resentment against the other gender. And we do that because our interactions with the other gender um, often from childhood, but not always in childhood, you know, often it goes into our adult lives and, you know, well into our uh, adult lives even. But um, largely for so many of us, our experience with the opposite gender has been one of rejection, one of being undervalued, one of being ignored or one of being treated less than human or being treated like we don't matter, like we don't care, being treated like we're not attractive, like we're not desirable. And I mean, the list could go on and on and on, right? And I'm sure any of you who are listening to this message right now have probably had a lot of these kinds of experiences because if you hadn't, you probably wouldn't even be listening to this message, right? If you hadn't, this conversation would probably not even interest you because you know, largely what we do here on the podcast is we talk about our wounding and we talk about our, our challenges when it comes to creating conscious love because the world is a tough place to find love. Like, let's just, let's just call a spade a spade, right? It is challenging to find love in this world. There, there are so many people and, and a vast majority of the people who do not have open, loving hearts. And that can make it a very challenging place for those of us who sincerely want love, who sincerely want to be in love. And a lot of you, you know, I'm largely going to speak to the ladies today, but I'm sure some men will hear this conversation. And I think men, um, you know, those of the men who are listening to this will, will resonate a lot with what we're talking about in their own way, right? Because they are going to feel a lot of the same feelings, maybe from a slightly different perspective, but the resentment, the pain, the rejection, uh, it happens on both sides. It really, really does. And so in today's conversation, really digging into the idea of do you hate men or do you hate women or, you know, what kind of, what kind of grudges and resentments do you hold against the opposite gender and where does that come from and what is that about? And, you know, I, I think in, I think in starting today's conversation, I just want to talk about the word hate for a moment because, 
you know, a lot of us have decided at some point in our life that I don't hate anyone, right? We've just decided that hate is a bad word and that we won't, that we don't hate people and that hate is a a bad thing, right? And a a lot of us in doing that, because, you know, in, in our core, we know that we're good people. In our core, we know that we want to be loving people. In our core, we, we know that we want to be kind hearted and genuine people. And so what a lot of times we'll do is when it comes to dealing with something like hate, we won't even acknowledge where it exists inside of ourselves because we've been conditioned to believe that we should not hate or hate is wrong. Or, you know, if, if I hate, then I'm bad. And the truth is that hate is, is a very normal human emotion. It's something that comes out of deep resentment. It's something that comes out of deep pain. It's something that comes out of deep shame. When we, when we have shame around ourselves, um, hate will often emerge towards ourselves and towards other people. So it's, it's a very, it's a very normal thing to, to experience, to feel, to have inside of you. And in, in dealing with hate, you know, the, the, the way to solve it is not to repress it. It's not to ignore it. It's not to pretend like it's not there because what happens when you do that is it just, it just goes underground and it becomes more crafty and it will start to, it will start to show up in your life in other ways that is seriously blocking the love out of your life seriously blocking the quality of connection that you want to experience, seriously blocking your ability to relate with other human beings in an authentic way, in a heartfelt way. And if you've, if you've denied the fact that you have some hate, then that hate will, you won't even recognize it as hate when it shows up. And so to start today's conversation, I just want to invite you to to engage in today's conversation and give yourself permission to recognize that there may be some hate that exists inside of you. And that, yeah, we could objectively say that hate is a bad thing, right? We could objectively say that if you go around hating people, hating things, you're going to have a very negative life experience. You're probably going to suffer depression and all kinds of stuff, right? So we could say that objectively hate is a bad thing. Objectively hate is not the way we want to be. It's not the way we want to live. It's not the way we want to feel. And yet we may all carry pockets of hate inside of us. We may all carry aspects within us where, where the hate is very strong. And, you know, in 90% of our lives, we may go around being very loving. We may go around being very kind. We may go around being very generous, but what's going to happen is in very specific places in your life and very specific aspects of your life, you're going to get triggered. And your, the things that trigger you are going to create very volatile reactions and what you, what will come out in those moments is any hate that you hold. And so in talking about this conversation, you know, do you hate men or do you hate women or what kind of resentment do you hold against the opposite gender, right? In really looking at this conversation, I want to give some examples of just how it might show up or how it might look or how it might feel. And I was actually, I was sitting here right before I got on today and I was meditating on this conversation, which is something I often do before a podcast is I just, I sit down and I really try to clear my mind and just get connected to the essence of, 
you know, like what, what is it I want to share today and, and what, it, what wants to come through me. And as I was meditating on this, I, I remembered a woman who was in, um, my wife and I, a few years ago, we started a Facebook group, um, called the conscious relationship community. And it's not super active anymore. We, we don't, we don't really uh, do much with it these days, but, um, it was, it was very active back then. And we had a lot of people join very quickly and there was a lot of conversation happening and it was, it was a really great group at, at one point. Um, but what, what ended up happening and what I want to share here is that there was, there was a woman who joined the group and, um, shortly after that, she ended up taking her own life and it was just very tragic and very sad. Um, this was, this was a young woman. She was, you know, maybe in her late twenties, she was attractive. She was intelligent. I mean, she had a lot going for her. You know, if, if she had had a different mindset and a different perception of herself, I, I think she could have had an amazing life. And what I want to, what I want to share here about this person is that she, um, she joined this group and shortly after joining the group, she, she started posting a lot. She started being very active in the group. And I don't think, you know, in a million years, she, she never would have said that she hated men. You know, she was kind of obsessed with men in a way, um, you know, and she, she, but she had a very negative relationship to men in her own mind. And what would happen is, you know, she would go out on dates and she would, you know, meet men, whether it was on a dating app or through a friend or however it was, but she would go out on dates and she would just have these horrible, horrible experiences in dating. And she would come back and, and she would share in the group and just tell us all about the, the experience and everything that had happened. And, you know, she, she had developed this story. And, you know, we, we tried to talk to her about it a little bit, but she, she didn't join any of our programs or anything. And, and she was just kind of a, a voice that was speaking in the group. And, you know, we talked to her about it a little bit, but we didn't really get the opportunity to, to coach her very directly. Um, but what she, the story she had developed around men was that men have their pick of any woman they want and that they just go out and basically take their pick of whoever they want and toss aside whoever they don't want. And I, I mean, it was, a, in my experience of being a man, a very inaccurate, a very inaccurate assessment of, of what it's like to be a man. But this was, this was the story she had developed around it. And what, what she would do is anytime she would go on a date, she, she was relating to the men she was dating as though this man has his pick of any woman he wants and he can, he can either pick me or not. And if I'm not good enough for him, he's just going to toss me aside. And she was, she was showing up on dates in a way that was actually a little bit aggressive, a little bit like harsh, a little bit like, um, you know, kind of, kind of assuming that, you know, you're out to get me, you're out to hurt me. And so I'm going to beat you to the punch. I'm going to take control of this situation before you can hurt me. And this was how she was showing up to dating, how she was showing up to, you know, any, any guy she met, any relationship she was interacting with. This was how she was relating with it. And I, I say all this to share that, you know, she, we ended up and it was, it was really tragic and really heartbreaking to watch, but we ended up kind of watching her spiral like week after week after week and with the comments she would post in the group. And then ultimately, um, we found out, you know, she stopped posting in the group. We didn't know what happened to her. She just kind of vanished. 
And then we found out shortly after that she had taken her own life. And it was just really tragic to see someone so young and, you know, someone who could potentially have so much going for her, but have such a, a tragic relationship to the opposite sex. And, and I, you know, I don't know all the details of why she took her life or exactly what happened, but I, I have to assume that this was a huge part of it. And, you know, I, I share all this to say that, you know, this was someone, again, I don't know her whole story. I don't know her background. I only know what I saw of her in the, in the few months that we were interacting with her. But what I, what I witnessed was that she had a severe hatred of men. And I, I would say that it wasn't even her fault. You know, like it was, it wasn't even, you know, something that she consciously did. It wasn't even something that she chose for herself. It wasn't even something that she wanted. You know, I I think on some level, like, like I said, she was, you know, kind of boy crazy in her own way. She was kind of obsessed with men and, and, you know, I, I think she really wanted to have a better relationship with them. But I have to assume that, you know, maybe at at a younger age in her life, she possibly went through some very severe trauma with men. I don't know what her dating experiences had been like, but I I imagine it was, it had to do with a lot of rejection, a lot of being tossed aside, a lot of being undervalued or underappreciated. And these were kind of the, you know, the themes for her that she was carrying throughout her life and she was recreating over and over and over again. And it just... This was, this was a huge lesson for me in kind of witnessing this to realize how important it is that we heal our relationship with the opposite sex. Because most of us, and, and I'm, I'm speaking in kind of heteronormative terms right now, you know, I'm speaking to largely straight women who are interested in dating straight men. And I understand there's a whole spectrum outside of that. I understand that, you know, this conversation can look a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. But for simplicity's sake, I just want to talk about, um, I just want to talk about it in these terms because I think we need to keep it simple in order to understand the principles. And I think there is, you know, for a gay man or, or a gay woman, there is even there is even the opportunity to to resent your own sex, right? If if you're if you're vulnerably putting yourself in relationship with them, right? So I think this conversation can apply to all different types of people, but I, I want to keep it in these terms so we can understand the principles behind it, and so we can really understand, you know, with clarity what this is all about. Because love is just the most vulnerable thing. It really is. Like finding love, wanting to be in love, wanting to be loved by another person. It is the most vulnerable position like most of us will ever be in in our whole lives. You know, there's there's no experience in the business world that's that vulnerable, really. I mean, in the business world, you can lose money, but you don't really risk losing your worth. I mean, I don't know. I guess some people could argue that you do, but I, I, I don't. I don't think the business world touches us as deeply. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't think there is any area of life that touches us as deeply as our romantic relationships do. You know, I, I, I've said this before: is that our romantic relationships are very uniquely powerful because what they do is they get to the same places inside of us that our childhood relationships with our parents did. 
And there's no other relationship in your life that's going to touch you that deeply. In and when in dating, in in dating and in marriage and in you know family, but in in being intimately involved with another human being, you open yourself up to those very most vulnerable places within yourself that none of the other relationships in your life are ever going to touch. You know, your work relationships are never going to touch that. Your relationships with like friends or, or anybody else in your life, like they're never really going to touch that deeply. But our romantic relationships are, are really, you know, on, on a certain level. And I don't think, I don't think this is the healthiest perspective. Actually, this perspective leads to a lot of hate, but I, I think this is how many of us feel is that when we're dating or when we're engaging romantically with another person, we are opening ourselves up. And, and the question we're kind of asking of this other person is, am I enough for you? Am I worthy of you? Like, am I as a human being enough of whatever, attractive enough, sexy enough, intelligent enough, smart enough, fun enough, likable enough? Do I have a good enough personality? Does my body look good enough? Like whatever it is, but we're, we're opening ourselves up and kind of putting, putting our enoughness in the hands of another person and saying like, tell me if I'm enough. Now, again, I don't, I don't think that is the healthiest approach. But I think that is the approach that so many of us are taking when it comes to dating and when it comes to love. And I think that is the position that so many of us feel like we're in when it comes to dating and when it comes to love. And I, I think this goes, I think this goes for both men and women. And, you know, I've, I've heard so many women be shocked when they really realize how, how vulnerable men feel in dating. And I think men as a whole kind of maintain a, a kind of a tough exterior, you know, where we don't, we don't reveal our emotions as easily. We don't, we don't really talk about what's going on for us on the deepest levels. You know, we kind of keep it all in and keep it to ourselves, which is, which is one of the reasons why men, I think, struggle so much with mental health because we just don't talk about it. We don't get help. And because of this, and because women are more inclined to kind of talk about their feelings, talk about what's going on with them, if they got rejected or hurt, they're more inclined to tell their friends about it, tell their family about it, you, you know, tell, tell everybody about it, right? Like women, women are more inclined to tell their story more than men are. And so I, I think what happens is a lot of women don't realize how vulnerable dating actually feels for men. And how a lot of the hurtful things that men do to women in dating are actually ways of protecting themselves from their own pain. And I'm going to get into a little bit of this as we go along. But I think what, what happens between men and women is that there, there is just a huge, huge misunderstanding. Is that men, for the life of them, do not understand women. And women, for the life of them, do not understand men. And this lack of understanding, this lack of really getting it about how the other person is thinking, how the other person is feeling, what's authentic for the other person, what's an act, right? Like this, this lack of awareness about all of it breeds a lot of hate. 
because it is human nature to assume that any other human being you're dealing with is thinking about things the same way that you are. That's, that's, I would say that's a pretty universal defect of human beings is that we tend to assume that whoever we're dealing with is looking at the situation in the same way we are. And because we misunderstand that they are viewing the situation differently, we become resentful because they're not doing the things that we think they should do. And we don't understand that they are viewing the entire situation through a completely different framework. Everything about it looks completely different to them. And it's actually unreasonable to expect anybody else to relate with the situation the same way we do because they view it completely differently. And I think this is true among men and other men. I think this is true among women and other women. But I think it is especially true between women and men. Because I think there are just a lot of fundamental differences. And I've, I've always said women and men are equal, but they are not the same. Like there are, there are very distinct differences between the way women do things, the way women think about things, the way women approach things, and the way men do things and think about things and approach things. But what I would say is very, very much the same among men and women is the underlying emotions that are experienced. And this is something that I, I don't think either of us really recognize, men or women, is that underneath our different approaches, our different attitudes, our different perceptions, we are feeling the exact same things. And when a man opens himself up to be liked or disliked or be accepted or rejected by a woman, that feels incredibly, incredibly vulnerable for him. For the ladies listening, it feels the exact same way to him that it feels for you. But the difference is that if he gets rejected, he's probably not going to cry about it. He's probably not going to tell his friends about it. He's probably not going to even, he's probably not even really going to let it in what he's feeling. He's probably going to put on some kind of tough guy exterior and he's going to be like, oh, whatever, stupid, blah, blah, blah. I don't need that anyway. Why? Because that's how he has been taught to handle things. He has been taught throughout his life that that is how men are supposed to handle things. Women have been taught a different way. And I'm not saying one way is right or one way is wrong. I mean, largely I would say like, the path of emotional vulnerability, the path of talking about what you're feeling, the path of being present to what's actually going on inside of you, I would say that's healthier, right? So in a sense, we could say that women largely maybe deal with it in a healthier way, but there's also, there's also a destructive side of that, right? There's, there's a way of going so far into your emotions that your emotions become destructive, right? So I, I, I mean, we, we could argue that there's benefits to both sides, but what I, what I really want to communicate here, and I, I think the most important thing to, to address here, is that understanding heals hate. Understanding heals hate. And the first question I, I would address to everybody here around the topic of do you hate men or do you hate women, the first thing I would ask everybody to consider for yourself is do you have an authentic desire 
to understand the other person? Like, do you genuinely want to understand how they're thinking about things, how they're feeling about things, how they're relating with things, why they do the things they do? Or do you just want to judge it because you think it's not right? Because you think it should be done in the way you do it. You think it should be thought about in the way you think about it. You think it should be approached in the way you approach it. So this is my question I'm posing for everybody right now. Do you genuinely want to understand? Or do you just want to be angry about it? Do you just want to judge? Because you think you're right and the other person is wrong. And I'll tell you, you know, this, this becomes so apparent for me. And I'll give an example here. Like, I remember I put up a post, a uh, video I did on, on Instagram, I don't know, a couple months ago or something. But the, the video was about three things that every woman should know about men. And I, I basically just, I just listed, you know, three things. I don't even remember what they were right now, but it was, it was kind of three things that, you know, might be surprising that women might not really realize about men. And there was a woman in the comments who went point by point and basically it, it was interesting. Her, her response was very interesting because she didn't, she didn't even necessarily disagree with what I was saying. She, she wasn't saying like, I think you're wrong and I, and I, and I know what's right. Like she wasn't disagreeing, but she was even, even though she was basically in agreement with everything I said, she still wanted to fight about it. And so she basically went point by point and, and had a bone to pick with every single point I made in that video, even though she didn't disagree with it. And what I, what I really saw in that was that this is a person who doesn't want to understand, right? Even though she, even though intellectually she gets it, it makes sense to her. She's not, she doesn't think it's wrong. She doesn't want to let it in. She doesn't want to let it penetrate her heart. And, and why would a person not want to do that, right? Why would a person not want to let it sink in? Why would a person not want to let it penetrate their heart? And the reason is, is because there's resentment there. There is resentment and the resentment is creating a wall. It's creating a wall that says, I don't want to be vulnerable I don't want to open up. I don't want to be, I don't want to have compassion for men. I don't want to have compassion for the opposite sex because doing that feels vulnerable for me, right? This is a woman who likely, and again, I don't know her whole story, but I'm just basing this off of her comment and I could be wrong. But even if I am wrong about this person specifically, I'm not wrong about this pattern that I'm talking about right now where this is a person who is likely, as I said earlier, has been mistreated, has been used, has been disrespected, has been dishonored, has been taken advantage of, has been taught that she is not enough, that she is not desirable, that she is not wanted, like on and on and on, right? And this is her relationship to men. She's built up this whole relationship around men where she feels inferior or unworthy to men. She feels that men are going to take advantage of her. They are going to hurt her. They are going to use her. They are going to abuse her. They have no care. They have no concern. They have no compassion for her. And because her whole relationship with men 
is built up in this kind of context. She feels that understanding men is dangerous. That if she is to really understand men and open her heart up and have compassion and be vulnerable towards men, that she is going to open herself up for danger. That she is going to open herself up to be hurt. And what I want to say is, I get it. Like, I can't even, I can't even judge her for that because I get it. And I coach women every day who are telling me about all the horrible experiences that they have had with men. And I get it. Like, I really get it. I get it how easy it could be for a woman in this world to hate men. And I also get it how easy it could be for a man in this world to hate women. And I think what I also understand that most people don't really understand is that this dynamic here goes so far back that it doesn't matter who's at fault. It doesn't matter who started it. It doesn't matter who threw the first punch because this goes back for a millennia. And at this point, at this point, like it doesn't really matter who started it because we're all in the predicament. And the predicament is that we have very hostile beliefs and feelings against each other. And the reason that we have that is because we both feel so vulnerable to the other person. Women feel that men have power over them and that they can do nothing about it. And this may come as a surprise to a lot of the women out there, but men feel the exact same way. They feel that women have power over them and that there's nothing they can do about it. And because, because the, the relationship between men and women is inherently a very vulnerable one, right? It is inherently a very vulnerable one. Like when you, when you like someone, when you have feelings for them, when you want them to like you back, you are in a very vulnerable position. And there's no way around that. And if, if you've been one of the lucky ones who, for whatever reason, because you look a certain way, because you have a certain attitude, because you have certain social skills or whatever, if you've been one of the lucky ones who have not experienced a lot of suffering at the hands of the opposite gender then you may not have a lot of resentment. But if you are like most of us who has experienced an incredible amount of suffering at the hands of the opposite gender, then you likely have built up some resentment. You have likely built up some defenses. And whether you're willing to acknowledge it or not, you likely hold some hate towards that gender. So, Let's, let's talk about like, how would somebody know 
if they hated men or they hated women, right? How would someone know if they were harboring hate? And I'd say the best way to tell is to really look at your internal responses when you are in a vulnerable position with a man or with a woman, right? So you, you look at your internal responses. You look at what your body says. And I want to say this too, because depending on the individual, this could be a little tricky because sometimes it might show up as hate towards the other person. And sometimes it might show up as hate towards yourself. But I want to say in whichever direction it's being projected, it's the same exact thing. You know, the woman I shared about earlier at the very beginning, the one who ultimately ended up taking her own life. The, she, in, in, the, in the posts that she would express, she would vacillate between hatred of men and hatred of herself. Right. One day it was, I hate men because they, they have all the power and they do whatever they want and they have no regard and women are just helplessly at their mercy. And the next day she would revert to, I hate myself because I'm not enough, because I'm not worthy, because nobody loves me. And so she would kind of vacillate back and forth. But what I want to say is no matter which, no matter which side of the spectrum you're on, it's, It's the same thing. If you're directing it outwards or if you're directing it inwards, it is the same exact energy. And it is, it is an energy that, that comes from defending yourself against your vulnerability, right? It is an energy that comes from defending yourself against your vulnerability, I don't like the way it feels to be vulnerable. I don't like the way it feels to put myself in a position where I could be rejected. I don't like the way it feels to put myself in a position where another person has some power over me. And rather than really feeling how vulnerable that is, I create a kind of mask over that feeling that shows up as kind of a darkness, a resistance, a resentment, a hate. Now, I know some of you say, I'm just reading some of the comments here. Some of you say it shows up as anxiety. Some of you say it shows up as fear and uncomfortableness. And I think, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to really intuit for yourself if that is the same thing I'm talking about here right? It may be, it may be a similar energy, but less intense, right? That like anxiety, that discomfort, that fear, but it could also be, it could also be you actually feeling into that vulnerability, right? Which would, would be a healthier response. That would be a more helpful response for you to actually feel into that vulnerability, so again, you'll have to kind of, you have to kind of intuit for yourself what this really is for you. But what I want to say is it is so important for anyone, woman, man, 
anyone else. It is so important for you to heal your relationship with either the opposite sex or again, if you're not, if you're not a a heteronormative man or woman, then with whoever it is that you are vulnerable with to heal that relationship. Because I truly believe that one of the things that you have to do to actually have a loving, conscious relationship with a member of the opposite sex is to actually love the opposite sex. Right? So here's, here's another way you could really tell, like I would say, you know, in addressing the question, do you hate men? Here's a way you could tell. When I ask you, do you love men? Right? Do you really love men? Do you see how great they are? Do you see how amazing they are? Do you see the gifts they offer? Do you have gratitude for the men in our world and the things they do, right? Like, like when I ask you that question, are you a full body yes to it? Are you like, absolutely, I love men. I think men are amazing. Or again, for the men who might hear this, right? When I say, do you love women? Do you go, absolutely, I love women. Or is there a like, I'm not too sure about that. I don't really know if I love men or I don't really know if I love women. Like, I don't really know how I feel about that. Like that, I can't, I can't be a full body yes to that. And if you acknowledge that you can't be a full body yes to that, it doesn't mean that you altogether hate men outright. But it does reveal that there are pockets of hate that you are harboring around men. Right? Does everybody get that? So you might not hate men or women as a, as a totality, but it does reveal that you are harboring pockets of hate toward the opposite sex. And those pockets of hate are going to be the very things that when you get intimately involved with a member of the opposite sex, those, those pockets of hate are going to be the very things that cause you to sabotage, that cause you to withdraw, that cause you to either push the person out of your life or become so obsessive and so like kind of crazy about it that they leave on their own, right? Like these are... Those pockets of hate are going to be the things that create those negative responses. They're going to be the things that create those destructive responses in you because those are the places where you are really not allowing yourself to be vulnerable to men. And and I'm going to tell you, like for all the ladies out there, and again, this goes for men too but I'm talking mostly to the ladies right now. For all the ladies out there, if you are not willing to be vulnerable to men, then you are not willing to have a deep connected relationship with a man. And again, the same goes for the men. If you are not willing to be deeply vulnerable to a woman, 
then you are not willing to have a deep, connected relationship with a woman. And so what's going to happen is you're going to go as, because the thing is, we all want relationship. There's not a single human being out here who does not want a relationship, right? And I'm not necessarily saying a committed, long-term monogamous relationship. I mean, people have different preferences about that. But what I'm saying is we all have a deep, heartfelt desire to be in relationship with each other. It's, it's part of what, who we are. It's part of what we're made of. We are built for connection. We are, if you look at how human beings have evolved, right? We don't, we don't evolve like isolated beings, like maybe a snake, right? Where I, 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 I think I'm correct about this. I'm, I'm not a scientist, so don't quote me on this, but I think snakes live pretty isolated lives. Most of them, right? Snakes don't really live in groups, Snakes kind of live very isolated lives, right? That's that reptilian mind. Humans are not built like that, right? Humans aren't built like that. We are built for connection. If you look at how humans have evolved, we have evolved in tribes. We've evolved in tribal societies. And if if a human being were to be exiled by their tribe, that meant certain death. Right? That meant certain death if you were exiled by your tribe. So this is in our biology. It's in our DNA, right? We are hardwired to be in connection with each other. We all deeply desire to be in connection with each other. But if you harbor these pockets of hate and you harbor these pockets of resentment, what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to crave connection in the same way we all do right? You're going to want to date. You're going to want to connect. You're going to want to be loved. You're going to want to have sex. You're going to want, you know, all the things like you're going to want them in the same way most people do. But what's going to happen is you're only going to go so far into the relationship with that person where you reach the point where you hit the wall of your vulnerability and you're like, I cannot be this vulnerable to this person. And once you hit that point, what's going to happen is you're going to close down in the relationship. And then you might start looking outside of the relationship for another partner. That's what men often do. Uh, women do it too, but that's, I would say that's more um, symptomatic of men often. Um, you are going to start behaving in ways that either consciously or unconsciously push that person away. You could become obsessive and controlling at that point. You could, um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I, I, I mean, lots of things could happen, right? You could, you could do all kinds of things that would, oh, oh, here's another one. You could at that point settle, right? At that point, you could start settling into the relationship, not allowing the relationship to move forward. And this is something that I think was very symptomatic of previous generations where, you know, generations where divorce wasn't really allowed and, you know, people just got married and they stayed together. If you look at a lot of the older couples from previous generations, they have just settled and resigned in their partnership. Right there. And and they even like, you can see in the way they talk to each other, like they even kind of hate each other. You know, have, have you ever seen an old couple that just hates each other and the way they talk to each other? It's like, shut up, you old bat, <laughs> things like that. Right. It's just like, they're just like, you always do this. And like you, they nitpick and they criticize. And it's like, 
It's like they've been hating each other their whole life and they stayed married, right? They didn't divorce and people look at them and go, oh my God, you've been married for 50 years. How did you do it? And it's like, well, we just stopped connecting with each other and we just hate each other. Like that's, that's how we did it. We just live our own isolated lives in the same house. We avoid each other at all costs. And when we have to talk, when we have to talk to each other, we do it with a kind of antagonistic way. And that's just how we've survived this relationship for the last 50 years. Like there are a lot of older couples that are doing that. In the younger generations, what they just started doing was getting divorced, right? Which I mean, honestly, is probably a little bit healthier. I'm not, I'd say it's better to like deepen the relationship and have a deep long-term connected marriage. But you know, if you're not going to have that divorce is probably better. But the, the point is, is that if you are not willing to be vulnerable to the opposite sex, if you are not willing to be vulnerable to your partner in a relationship, then your relationship is only going to be able to go so far. And I think an an interesting adaptation, you know, in, in the old world, right, with the previous generations, they just stay married and silently resent each other for the rest of their lives. Then, you know, came the generation of divorce where everyone was getting divorced and starting their second and third marriages. And now what we have is like the the generation of unlimited possibility and this is where this is where people can't commit because they're addicted to the idea of i could find someone better right they're addicted to the idea of i could find someone better and like dating apps have basically given us a catalog of thousands and thousands of people that we can kind of just sort through and dating apps are a freaking nightmare and they really don't work very well in terms of creating an actual relationship. But what they have done is they have created the illusion. It's not a reality. Anybody who's actually been on dating apps knows that this is not a reality, but it creates the illusion of having a new, better person just around the corner. And what it causes us to do is undervalue the person who's right in front of us. Right, because you go out on a date with someone and you're like, yeah, they're attractive and they're nice and they're kind of cool, but I bet I could find someone better on the app. And so what it looks like on the surface is that, oh, there's unlimited possibility and people are selfish and people don't care and people aren't interested in real connection. And this is what it looks like on the surface. But I'd like to propose that what it actually is, is not that people don't want connection. And I'm talking about men and women here. It's not that we don't want connection. It's not that we don't want deep, true love. It's not that we don't want a deep, significant relationship. But it is that we are unwilling to be vulnerable. We are unwilling to be at the mercy of another person. And that's a requirement for like conscious love. Like I'm at the mercy of my wife. It's just a simple fact of our relationship. She is at the mercy of me. If either one of us were to come home and say, I don't want this anymore, the other one would be devastated. And we could not have the relationship that we have if that was not the case. But I think where that comes from, that willingness to be vulnerable, 
comes from a deep love and appreciation of the opposite sex. Right. And I'll just speak for myself. And, you know, I'm I'm sure my wife feels similarly about this, but I'll just speak for myself here. Like I am somebody who has genuinely always loved women. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I was raised by a single mother. It has to do with the fact that I, you know, I grew up when I was, when I was five years old, my mom would drop me off at her college dorm because she was a college student and I would hang out with all the girls there and, and we'd shoot pool together and we'd, you know, go for walks around the campus and whatever. And I just grew up around all these awesome women. And it, 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 like from a very early age, it just got ingrained in me that women are amazing. So I, I've definitely had my resentments towards women at the times I've gotten my heart broken and the times I've, you know, been through certain things where I've definitely had my resentments at certain stages, but fundamentally I've always loved women. And part of, part of what that has done for me as a result of, of having that kind of deep love for women is that I also trust women and it doesn't mean like, look, you know, when I, when I was 16 years old and I've shared the story many times, but I, I fell in, I fell in like real deep love for the first time when I was 16 years old, I was with this girl for about a year. She was my high school sweetheart. The, the only, the only time I was in love in that way for many, many years after that. And we made all kinds of promises together. We're going to spend our life together. We're going to have a family. We made all these promises and I believed it. And I was committed to that. And for her, she was just being a high school girl. And I, I mean, I can't judge her for that, right? She was 16 years old. Like, what do I want from a 16 year old? You know, like it was not her fault by any means, but here I am like making these promises, taking it very seriously, like staking my life in this relationship. And she's just being a high school girl. She's just enjoying it for the moment. And then something more attractive caught her eye. She, she cheats on me. She dumps me. She blindsides me. She completely devastates me and breaks my heart. And then for many years after that, I, I closed down. I was like, a woman will never have power over me. I will never be vulnerable again. And this, this lasted for like probably close to a decade, right? After that crushing heartbreak, I, I mean, I'd say I, I loosened up on it a little bit in my early 20s. And then by, by the time I was in my late 20s, I think I was completely over it. But, but I, you know, that was like a deep resentment for me. I definitely held some hate around that. And it took me a while to heal from that. But I would say fundamentally underneath that, you know, aside from these few experiences that have really deeply hurt me and I've had to, you know, heal from that, I have had a, a deep love for women and a deep appreciation from women. I've seen how amazing they are, how beautiful they are, how gifted they are, how much they contribute, how how, you know, blessed it is to have a woman in your life. Like I, I've just, this is something that I've always been very aware of and having that awareness and having that kind of love, like I said, has also allowed me to trust women. And so the negative experiences that I've had with women, the times I've been hurt, the times I've been rejected, cheated on, etc. While that was deeply hurtful, for me, it did not become a, a blanket truth about women, about how women are, about what you can expect from women. It was more, I, I was able to more understand what was happening. You know, like, like I've shared in my, when I was 21 years old, I, I got involved with a 40 year old narcissist 
And she was, you know, extremely toxic. And I've, I've shared about her many times on the podcast, but you know, instead of, you know, she, she hurt me in a lot of ways. I, I, I do believe she also cheated on me. I never had confirmed fact of that, but I, in some of her behaviors, I think it was kind of obvious, but regardless of that, I don't know exactly what happened, but, but what I do know is that despite the hurtful things that she did, and despite the ways that I was deeply wounded in that relationship, I was able to understand why she was that way, right? I was able to understand the experiences that shaped her and caused her to be that way. It wasn't the fact that she's a woman that made her that way, right? It was her life experience and her fear and her need to protect herself that made her that way. Very similar with how I can look at my high school girlfriend and I have nothing but love for that person now. She's married now. We're friends on Facebook. We've chatted a couple times. Like, seems like she's doing great. And I wish her nothing but the best. And I have no resentment about the way that she hurt me because I understand that she was a high school girl and I couldn't expect it anything more from a 16 year old girl. Right. And, and it was actually very naive of me to stake my future on her. And this is what I said earlier, is that understanding creates healing, right? When you can understand the opposite sex, you will love them. And I've said this already, but to, to truly love, you know, if you're a woman and you want a relationship with a man, it's not about well, most men suck. Most men are assholes. You can't trust most men, but I'm hoping to find this special guy who's not like the rest of them and maybe I'll be able to love him. That will never work for you. That will never, ever work for you. You will have incredible resistance and resentment and a need to protect yourself and you will never be vulnerable enough to have a deep connected relationship with a man. What is needed if you want to have a deep connected relationship with a man is to genuinely love men as a whole. It's to see how great men are, to see the incredible gifts that they contribute, to, to actually acknowledge what an incredible gift it is to have a man in your life. Like, and, and to openly like to, to be like, I remember um, Alison Armstrong, who is, she wrote the book, Understanding Men. And she's one of my favorite authors. Um, she has, she's just done incredible. Like I would recommend everybody like go read some Alison Armstrong because she has spent her life work understanding men and understanding women and understanding the differences between them, understanding the similarities between them and her, her books and her workshops are just exquisite in laying out in incredible detail, all of this. And I remember when I read her, when I first read one of her books, in the intro to her book, she said something like, I've spent the last 30 years studying men. And the conclusion that I have come to is that I absolutely love men. Now, this is a woman who had like a 30 some odd year relationship with her husband, a very healthy, conscious, loving relationship with him. He died he passed away and now she's having another super loving, healthy, conscious relationship with another man who is actually even, you know, from what I've understood, even more connected to her than her first husband was, 
right? And, and this is a woman who's openly said, like, I love men. I understand men. I, I've, I've taken my life to really learn what they're like, to understand where they come from, to understand why they do the things they do. And that has allowed me to love them. And I think that is, one, it's really beautiful. Two, it's essential, right? If you want a relationship with a member of the opposite sex, you have to first love everything that they are. You know, I talked to um, some of my friends who, uh, I, I, have, I have several colleagues, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 guys I know that are in, you know, good, honorable men who are in deep, healthy, loving, committed relationships. And, you know, these are guys that I could probably reach out to at any time. And, you know, if, if I needed something, they'd be there for me and vice versa. And, you know, we have, we have a really solid brotherhood going on. And, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to talk to some of these guys about how they view women and how they view their wives and how they view, um, you know, just the, the relationship between men and women overall. And what these guys have shared with me, hands down, is that having a woman in your life makes every aspect of your life better. It improves your confidence. It improves your success in business. It improves your relatability. It, it improves your emotional health. It improves your mental health. Like just like these are like this is this is what healthy, conscious men say. They say that having a woman in your life is an absolute gift. It makes every area of your life better by a million times. It like, like the man, and I'll just speak for myself here. Like the man I have become since being in relationship with my wife, which by the way, my wife has just jumped on here. Perfect timing, babe. <laughs> but the man I have become since being in relationship with my wife is better in every way just across the board. I've gotten smarter. I've gotten stronger. I've gotten healthier. I've become more authentic. I've become more true to myself. I, like I've, I've, my work has expanded. My wisdom has expanded my ability to communicate and connect with people. All of it has expanded. And this is the perception that you must have about the opposite sex in order to have a healthy relationship with them. And so I've, I've, spoken, I've spoken a lot about this already, and I don't want to just keep repeating myself here, and I do want to open up. I've seen some comments and some questions come in, so I do want to open up for some of that. But what, what I want to say is just a, a few ideas, because I want to give some examples of how men and women are different. Someone's asking about the topic. Uh, the topic is, do you hate men or do you hold resentment against the opposite sex? And I, I want to share, um, because I, I've said many times, the way to heal the hate is through understanding. And there are just so many things that men do and women do that we just don't understand. Like, why the fuck are they doing that? And it makes us mad because in our worldview, you know, I'll, I'll speak, I'll speak as a man right now, you know, in, in like, in like a man's worldview, 
there are things that women do that men go, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? And if there, if there's not a level of understanding and compassion involved, it just breeds hate. It just breeds resentment. And the same thing happens for women. Women, there are certain things men do and they go, what the fuck? Like, why would you do that? I would never do that. And if there's not a level of understanding and compassion there, it breeds hate. And I see your question, Belazima. How do you get to that level of understanding and compassion? So I'm going to, I'm going to get to your question in a moment. Thank you for asking. So this is, this is what I want to say here is that, um, I want to give a few examples. So this is just something, and this is, this is kind of a silly example that comes up with me and my wife. And, and, and I want to share this because it's, it's kind of a harmless example but if you can really understand the principles underneath this, you'll understand everything. And I think it's a, it's a great example of how men and women differ. Because men, men need a plan. You know, it is, it is part of the masculine consciousness. Men, men think of things in terms of time, right? Men, and men think of things in terms of logic. So, so we go, you know, A plus B plus C will equal D. And as long as A, B, and C can be in its place, D is going to happen the way it's supposed to, and everything's good. And men are always trying to fit every experience of life into some kind of formula, uh, some kind of formula like this, right? No matter what we're doing, men are always trying to put the pieces into place where they can have like a rational formula that makes sense. And, and I want to say, like this. This is a great thing for men because men in the highest expression of who they can be are protectors and providers. And this is the way that men protect and provide, right? If I can have A plus B plus C equal D and it can all, it can all be rational and it can all be perfect and I can, I can understand how it's all going to work out, that lets me know for sure that I will be able to protect and provide and everybody's going to be safe and everybody's going to be okay. Right? And so men are always trying to men are always trying to like get things into a formula like this. So they feel that they have things under control, they feel safe, they feel like they can protect their loved ones. And women in their own gifted way, right? This is not a negative, it's just a difference. Women are more inclined to flow. Women are more inclined to take the moment as it comes, to feel into it, to be more intuitive about it, to not have to have all the answers. So something that can sometimes happen with me and my wife, and like, I'll be honest, like I've gotten really angry about this at times, is my wife and I will discuss a plan. Okay, we're going to do A, then we're going to do B, then we'll do C, then we'll end up at D. The plan is good. We're moving forward. I feel like everything's under control. I feel like I know exactly what's going to happen. And then my wife will bring up, well, what if we did this instead? <laughs> right? And, and it'll like completely short circuit my whole masculine operating system. I'll be like, what are you doing? We had a plan. Why are you throwing off the plan? Right? And like, we've gotten in fights about this sometimes. So, so this is a great example of like, there's nothing wrong with what she's doing because honestly, like what, what she is probably doing is she's thinking of a way to improve the plan. 
She's thinking of a way to make it better. She's thinking of something she could add to it in her own, you know, not being attached to the formula, not being attached to this like rational logic way of having it all work out, right? She's more intuitively connected to the moment, intuitively connected to what's possible. And she might see a greater possibility for the plan that she wants to bring into it. And that short circuits my whole masculine system that I had worked out, right? One way is not right. Another way is not wrong. They're just different. But if she can't understand where I'm coming from and I can't understand where she's coming from, we're going to fight about it. Now, again, in our relationship, these are usually pretty minor fights and we usually work it out pretty good. But this same example that I'm giving on a bigger scale in a different situation could breed an incredible amount of hate and an incredible amount of resentment, right? There's, um, I, I want to give a, another example because uh, this one might be more relevant for people who are dating and, you know, something that, something that often happens. And I, by the way, I'm not condoning this behavior. I, I'm not condoning this behavior, but I want to what I want to create is understanding, right? And if we can understand why people do the things they do, it will empower us in our relationships with them. And one of the biggest things that both men and women do, but I would say men probably do it more than women, is they ghost, right? You'll meet someone, you'll get a connection going, you'll get some rapport going, and then, and then just boom, they ghost. And a lot of women come to me and they say like, why would he ghost? I, I thought we had a great rapport going. I thought we had a great connection going. I thought we were getting on well. I thought this was going to go somewhere. He said he liked me. He said that he saw a future. Like, why would he just disappear like that? And like one, I'm not condoning the behavior. It's immature, irresponsible behavior, right? There, there are there is always a better way to handle it than to just ghost somebody. But I'm going to say, and I I know this from talking to a lot of men, one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, there are other reasons, but one of the reasons that men ghost is because they, they feel inadequate and they've, they've been able to kind of keep up the show for a period of time and they start to become overwhelmed with this fear that if I, if I keep going with this person, I'm going to reveal myself. They're going to see my weakness. They're going to see my vulnerability. They're going to see that I'm not this hot shot that I've presented myself to be. And rather than like risk that, it's easier just to disappear, just to avoid, right? And so again, like I'm not condoning the behavior. There's always a better way to handle it. But what happens to a lot of women is they get ghosted by maybe several men in a row. You know, they go on several dates, they feel like they're getting on well, and then they get ghosted and then they start to feel inferior because of it. And they start to feel like, 
I must not be desirable. I must not be wanted. I must not be attractive. I'm, you know, I must not be any of these things. And they don't realize that it's actually the opposite of that. Sometimes the reason men ghost you is because they feel that you're out of their league. They feel that you're going to, they feel that you're going to realize that you're out of their league and you're going to reject them. And it is safer for them to beat you to the punch than to have to face that. And, and sometimes for some men, they only want to pursue a relationship in which they don't feel they ever have to risk. And so if you're a strong woman, if you're a powerful woman, if you're a confident woman, if you're someone who, who, you know, has certain standards and, and certain expectations and, and, you know, you're not going to let a man walk all over you. Well, a lot of men may be intimidated by that and they may ghost because they're intimidated. They may ghost because they don't want to have to face the part of themselves that feels that they are not enough for you. And the reason I'm saying this is because if you don't understand that, you're going to think all men are fucking assholes who don't care. And that's not the truth. It would probably be more accurate to say that a lot of these men are scared little boys and they're afraid of being seen as such. And again, that doesn't condone the behavior. If I was coaching a man like that, I would tell him to man up and go face his fear. And if he gets rejected to learn how to deal with it like a man, like that's what I would coach him on, right? But, but I can't coach every man in the world or every woman, or every woman in the world. But, but what, what I can do is help those of you who are listening right now to understand what's really happening. And for, for a woman, you know, who might be out there dating men and you might be getting ghosted or you might be having men mistreat you or you might be having men treat you like an option and pursuing several different options at the same time. And if you lack understanding, you are going to hate men. You're going to think they're a bunch of assholes who don't care. And you'll end up like that poor girl that I was sharing about at the beginning who like her relationship with all of this was so destructive and so toxic that she took her own life because of it. I'm not saying you're, you'll all take your own life, but it could get that far. It did with her, right? But if you understand, if you have understanding and you have awareness, you can see that this is not the behavior of a strong, confident man. This is the behavior of a scare of a scared boy. And if you can see that it is the behavior of a scared boy, you might not like the fact that he ghosts you. You might not like the fact that he treats you as an option. You would, you would rightly observe that this is the behavior of someone that I don't want to have a relationship with, right? Like this is dishonorable, disrespectful behavior. You, and you would rightfully observe that, but you could also have compassion for why it is happening. And that compassion, that sensitivity to why it is happening, to why it is showing up like that will help you to love men, right? When you can see that they're really 
it's funny. I, I did, I did a, <laughs> I did a vid, uh, talk last week about, um, the three types of men. Right. And now I'm about to say there are only two types of men. So <laughs> I said, I said last time that depending on the context, you know, I might frame it a little differently, but what I'm going to say here is there are really two types of men, right? And there's, there is the, the type of man who is showing up as an honorable committed man, and then there is the type of man who is operating from his wounds, operating from his fear, his need to have the upper hand, his need to control. And what I talked about last week was the bad boy and the nice guy, right? These being kind of two sides of the same coin, right? So, but, but the point is, is that like when you're dating and, and you, you meet, you start to meet men and you can start to feel like, okay, is this a man who is operating from his fear, his need to control, his need to maintain the upper hand? Or is this a man who has integrated his fear? Who has the capacity to be vulnerable? Who has the capacity to open his heart and be connected? Right? Like what kind of man is this? And you'll be able to feel into that. And when... Again, when a man ghosts you or he disrespects you or he has some kind of dishonoring behavior, you won't like that. It won't feel good. You're not going to be like, oh my God, I love the fact that he ghosted me. But you actually could love him. You could see him as operating from his fear. You could see him as being disconnected from his vulnerability. And you could actually extend some love to him. And in that same moment that you would extend love to him, you would recognize yourself as being out of his league in a way, right? Your, I want everyone to get this, your ability to extend compassion to a man like that awakens within you a recognition that you are better than that. And when, when some kind of action like that causes hate within you and causes resentment within you, it will also cause you to place yourself below him as though he is out of your league. And then what's going to happen is the more you experience that, you get ghosted, you get rejected, you get abandoned, you get treated as an option, you, all of this. The more that happens, the more you'll place yourself lower and lower and lower and lower to the point where you become so desperate that you want to take your own life, which is what happened to the woman I was sharing about at the beginning. So, you know, I see so much resistance. I I did, I put up a post this week about narcissism and I was talking about how, you know, the, the proper response for narcissism is not hate, but it's compassion. And some people in the comments were going, yeah, you want me to have, you want me to have compassion for my narcissist ex who had no compassion for anyone and treated everyone like crap. It's like, yeah, I do want you to have compassion for that. And here's why, because your ability to have compassion for that raises you above it and your ability or your inability to have compassion for that puts you below it. And then you become a part of the same destructive force that spreads hate in the world, that spreads narcissism in the world, 
Like you've got to understand if you're not responding to these problems with love and compassion, you are a part of the problem. I hate to say it, but that's some truth for you right there. If you are not rising above the problem, then you're just perpetuating the problem. You're just making it worse. You're just spreading it to more people. And that hate that you harbor in your heart towards men, you're going to go out on that and you're going to spread, you're going to go out on a date or you're going to go engage in relationships with men and you are going to spread that hate to men. And that's going to cause them to further hate women. And they are going to spread that hate to more women. And the women are going to spread that hate to men. And the men are going to spread that hate to women. And it will be never ending. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning is we've been doing this for so long now that it doesn't matter who threw the first punch. Like you've got to rise above the blame, blame game. You've got to stop saying men are this and women are this and they're all assholes. And uh, like, you've got to rise above that. That's the only way you'll find yourself freedom from it. And that's the only way you'll be able to impact other people in a positive way. So I just have a couple more things I want to share here and, and then I'm going to open up for questions. But I want to share just a couple of examples because I remember um, there's this woman, she was actually one of my first, uh, she was one of the first women I coached who, uh, who specifically came to me for relationships. When I, when I first started my coaching company, I was doing more of a kind of general life coaching. And this was one of the first women who came to me specifically because she wanted to work on relationships, uh, specifically with men. And a lot of what we talked about was healing her relationship with men. And I just remember this woman, like, so, so let me just tell you where she started and where she ended up because I, I love this woman to this day. She's like, she's one of my all time favorite people that I have ever coached. And I just love that her life is fucking amazing now. And so I just want to share. So when, when I met her, she was in a relationship with a married man and she did not know that he was married. Like, like not just dating him, like in a relationship with him. She thought he was her boyfriend. Meanwhile, he was married and had a whole family on the side that she didn't even know about. And she ended up finding out about it in the first couple of weeks of our coaching. And what I want to say is this was not the first time that this had happened to her. This was the third time that this had happened to her. All right, it's like, it's like, uh, what does the saying go? Um, you know, if, if it happens one time, that's, that's maybe a fluke. If it happens two times, it's, things are getting interesting now. If it happens three times, you better buy a saddle because you're an ass, okay? So like, and I'm not saying that she was an ass, but what I'm saying is like, you know, if it's happening that many times, you've got to think maybe the problem isn't out there. Maybe the problem's in here. And this was a woman who had incredible resentment against men. She had incredible defenses built up against men. She had, she had like incredible, just all this stuff around men. Right. And, and I remember like, so obviously as soon as she found out this guy was married, she cut him off, ended the relationship with him. Um, you know, I helped her in kind of grieving that. And then she started dating again. And I just remember what I observed in her was like every man she would meet, every date she would go on, no matter what the guy did, 
something would trigger her. She would find a reason to be triggered. And it was like all this resentment, all this hate she had towards men was just coming up in every single interaction she had with men. And, and I remember once, um, she talked to me about how triggering it was for her to have a man show sexual interest in her. Right. And so she would be dating and she'd be out, you know, dating a man and, you know, whatever. And maybe he would, maybe he would touch like the small of her back when they were walking into the restaurant or he would invite her to come home with him or he would maybe, you know, if they were texting, he would get a little sexual on the text messages or whatever. And like any man making any kind of sexual advances with her would just trigger her like nothing else. And I remember I asked her, I said, okay, so when you meet the partner of your dreams, when you find this man, do you want him to be interested in you sexually? And she said, well, yeah, of course I do. And I said, okay. So then when you're dating and a man shows sexual interest in you, that is actually a green flag. That is actually one of your criteria on your list of things that you're looking for in a man. Sexual interest is one of them. Check. Like he just checked one of your boxes. That is actually a green flag. But anytime that has happened to you, you're just meeting it with incredible resistance. And, and I get it. And, and I, I know a lot of women probably feel this way. And why? Because they've been used sexually by men. They've been sexually taken advantage of. They've possibly been sexually abused by men, right? Like they're, so like, I get it. I get why she would feel that way. But actually she was pushing out of her life one of the very things that she wanted. She was actively pushing it out of her life, even though it's something she wanted. And what I ended up coaching her on is like, look, it's not wrong for a man to have sexual interest in you. What you need to do is you know how to, you need to know how to create boundaries. You need to know how to let him know, like, listen, I'm not ready for that yet. Like I would, I would be ready at a certain point, but we're not there yet. Right. You need to be able to feel into if a man is willing to respect those boundaries if when you communicate this, like a man is, is going to hear you and respect it, or if he's going to try to push over those boundaries, right? So we talked about all of this. And what I want to say is like this woman today is happily married to a man that she met in Paris. Like this is one of my greatest success stories of all my clients, right? She met this man in Paris. He, not Paris, Paris. <laughs> she met him in Paris they, they corresponded over email for months. He finally was like, listen, I want to see you. I'll fly you out. Just come spend some time with me. She started making trips out to Paris. Long story short, today they're married. They've already had one kid and she's currently pregnant with the second child. And what she did in our coaching together was she fell in love with men. All of her resistance, all of her resentment, she let it go. She learned to see what was really great about men. She learned to receive a man's sexual interest in her as a good thing while also maintaining a boundary that says, look, I really appreciate that you're sexually interested in me. That makes me feel great. I love that. Uh, you know, I want men to be sexually interested in me and I love that you are. And I have some boundaries, 
right? So if you want to go there with me, you're going to need to put the work in, right? You're going to need to prove yourself as someone who is worthy of that, right? So she learned to communicate. She learned to create boundaries. She learned to empower herself in her relationships with men. And she also learned to understand men. She also learned to understand why they do the things they do, what they feel, where they're coming from, how they think, how they operate. And all of this caused her to actually love men. Because I, I truly, I truly, truly believe that when you understand another human being in a real way, and this could be man, woman, anything in between, when you really understand their story and their struggle and how they think and where they come from and their worldview and why they do the things that they do, you cannot help but love that person. I think this is a fundamental truth about human beings. When you can really open your heart enough to understand another person, you cannot help but love them. And it really comes down to your willingness to be that vulnerable. Do you want to be vulnerable enough to understand the opposite sex? Or are you so committed to protecting yourself against them that you are unwilling to understand? Um, last thing I want to share, and then I'm going to open up for some questions because I did a podcast with my friend Emily. Um, it was a while ago. It was actually, I think it was like episode six or something. It was, it was like way back. So when I first started the podcast, this is one of my first episodes I did. And I interviewed my friend, Emily, who Emily is a, a, a women's coach. She's amazing. I mean, brilliant woman. She's very gifted, very talented. I, I, I got a lot of love and respect for Emily. Um, but the conversation we had was actually very much along these lines. It was about healing your relationship with men. And by the way, for anyone who would be interested in maybe taking this conversation a little bit deeper, um, I would say, go listen to that podcast because Emily actually shared about her journey of how she healed her relationship with men. And, you know, all of that, what it was like for her and, and so on. But um, what I want to say is, you know, one of the things Emily shared that I thought was so beautiful in, in healing her relationship with men was she actually made an active practice of going out in her life and acknowledging the, the greatness of men in the world. And, and she said... Um, she said that she would, she would go out and like, if she saw a police officer, you know, who, who had someone pulled over on the side of the road, who was a man, she would, she would personally acknowledge to herself, like, here's a man who is getting up every day and keeping our streets safe, right? If she, if she saw some construction workers building, um, building on the side of the road, right? She would, she would, um, she would look and go like, oh, these are some men who are actually building buildings for us to operate in or homes for us to live in. If, you know, if she was at the grocery store and there was a man there who, 
who was like, Hey, can I, can I help you carry your groceries to the car? And normally she would be like, no, I got my groceries. I'm fine. I don't need help. But she would actually take that opportunity to allow a man to be in service to her. Right. And, and she actually, so she'd be like, yes, please. And, and she would actually, the whole time that he was bringing the groceries to her car, she would like be in gratitude and be appreciative for here's a man who is being in service to me right now. And she would just go out of her way in every area of her life to just see the good in men, to see the good that men contribute to our world. And this was, this is one of the practices she shared. Um, someone's asking the name of the podcast. It's called the conscious love show, the conscious love show. Um, you can find it on all major platforms, but, um, what this practice did for Emily was it just, it developed like this deep love and appreciation for men in her life. I thought it was so beautiful that she shared that. And, and I was like, man, you know, if more of us would be willing to do that. And, and, and I think what a lot of us are doing unconsciously is we are actually doing the opposite. And we don't do it on purpose. We're not planning to do this. But our fear and our survival causes us to kind of automatically, we look for all the things that are bad, all the ways that they are hurting, all the ways that they are, you know, all all the bad things they do, all the toxic things they do, all the things they say that are just unspeakable. And, and what we do is like, we build a case in our minds and it, it does like it, it causes you to hate men causes men to hate women. It causes us to hate each other. And like, again, I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier is if you are not willing to rise above the problem, because I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that all men are fantastic and you should just worship the ground they walk on. Okay. I'm not sitting here saying that all women are just completely wonderful and men should just love and adore them. Like, no, like, look, men and women do a lot of things to hurt each other. They do a lot of things to hurt each other. It happens every day. It happens all the time, especially in dating, especially in dating. It happens constantly. And what I'm saying is that you have to be wise enough to rise above this toxic dating pool and understand what's happening and why it's happening and see it with compassion. And if you are not wise enough to do that, then you are a part of the problem. And you are only creating more hate. That's the truth. And you're you're not even trying to do it. You think you're just trying to keep yourself safe. But you're not keeping yourself safe. You're causing more pain for yourself. And you're causing more pain for everyone you interact with. And that is the very painful truth about this. So be a part of the solution. Be a part of the healing. And what I want to say is, is the more you love men for the men, the more you love women, the more you will experience men and or women in your life 
that deserve that love. And it might not happen overnight. You might have to practice for a while. You might have to do the kind of practice that I was talking about with Emily. Right? You might, you might have to do that kind of practice for a while. But if you practice that, if you really train yourself and you're consistent about that, even if you get ghosted, even if you get rejected, even if you're treated like an option, if you really practice that, you will attract men, again, and or women in your life that deserve the love that you give to all of them. That's just a simple truth. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with that, and I want to take questions. So some of you may have questions. Um, I've seen a few come in already. I'm going to scroll back through here, look for some questions. Those of you who have questions, go ahead, drop them in the chat, and we'll get to as many as we can today. Um, okay, so we have Bellazima, and we have, um, this is Yuri Fra. Both of them are asking a very similar question about how do you reprogram your mind to love men? And I, I did speak about this a little bit already. So, um, you know, very much about that exercise I was talking about with Emily is a great one, right? And I'm, I'm not going to go into that again because I just spoke about it. Um, any amount of understanding, right? I've, I, I said already today that to truly understand someone is to love them. Right, if you can really understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, why they do the things they do, what's going on for them, where they're coming from, like if you really understand that, you can't you can't truly understand that about a person and then not love them, right? So so any amount of understanding you you um, create, I would really really recommend. I said this already too, but I would really really recommend um, Alison Armstrong's work, which is just incredible work about. Un, women understanding men and men understanding women. Um, it is just incredible and profound work around those topics. So, um, like digging into Alison Armstrong's work, I think would, would really help. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's not, it's not that complex. It's not that difficult to, to figure out, but it's, it's just about recognizing your resistances and being willing to soften them. And, and I want to say too, like it requires a, a good amount of strength and confidence in yourself. So I haven't really talked about this today, but in a lot of my podcasts, I talk about like personal healing work. Right, which, which, by the way, if anybody um, would be interested, I'd say go look through my recent podcasts because I've been talking a lot about what healing work looks like and why it's important and why we need to heal. In fact, I did a podcast maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago now, where the, the title of the podcast is What is Healing and Why is It Needed? Right, So that would be a great one to listen to because what I, what I want to express here is that if your own defenses are too strong, if your own resistances are too strong, you know, if you are, if you are unable to really be vulnerable, like I said, the, the hate and the resentment that we have for the opposite sex comes from one is a misunderstanding, but two is, is a need to protect ourselves, 
right? And so if we, like psychologically speaking, the way we protect ourselves is we create an other, right? So the other is separate from me. The other is different from me. The other doesn't understand. The other is not trustworthy. And so in creating this other, we separate them from ourselves. We make them different from ourselves. And then we need to protect ourselves against that other, right? And this is the psychology behind all war. This is the psychology, like a lot of politicians, um, a really popular one right now, I'm I'm not going to say any names, but um, a really popular politician who's been in the media a lot is a master of this, right? He creates an other, and then he has people unite with him against the other. And that's how he was able to steal multiple elections. Just saying. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's, that's a topic that I don't need to get into here. But, but the point is, is like anytime you create an other in your mind and there's that separation there, you're going to need to protect yourself against them. And so what, what I would say is that like, you need to, you need to learn to be vulnerable with men. You need to learn to open yourself up to the pain that men might cause you. And I know that could be a difficult pill to swallow, right? Like you're, you're telling me I should just open myself up to be hurt. Well, yeah, that's actually the definition of vulnerability, right? The definition, like if you look up the dictionary definition of vulnerability, it is literally opening yourself up for attack, opening yourself up to, to experience pain. And in our, in our fear, this is, this is deep what I'm about to say. And it, it, it really, I could do a whole other podcast on this. I actually think I have done podcasts on this, but, but your fear of pain, right? Your unwillingness to experience pain has created a fear inside of you that makes you believe you can't handle pain. That makes you weak. And so when I say open yourself up to be hurt by men and you go like, I'm just supposed to put myself out there to be hurt. Well, yes, because if instead of avoiding that pain and trying to protect yourself from that pain, you are willing to experience it. Now, look, I want to give a caveat here. I'm not saying that you open yourself up to 20 years of narcissistic abuse. Like I, I would never advise that for anyone. But you might open up your you might open yourself up to a couple of months of being with a narcissist and really feeling into what that creates in you. And you know, hopefully you would learn in that experience that like this isn't how I want to be treated, this isn't the kind of relationship I want to have. And and so you would separate yourself from that. But what that would create in you is the opportunity to feel those feelings of being manipulated, of being disregarded, of being, you know, not honored, not respected and, and your ability. And and I would say you'd probably want to work with a therapist on this. Right. And I, I think we should all be in therapy, honestly, because we just, we all have stuff to work through, but you know, if you were, let, let's just say, for example, that you were in a relationship for a period of a few months with a guy who was maybe kind of toxic or narcissistic in certain ways. And, and this relationship wounded you. And then you went to therapy and you were able to process the wounding that you experienced in this relationship. 
and you were able to really get in touch with the emotions that you were holding in your body and you were able to really feel the the wounding and and maybe connect it to your past and how did that show up for you and and you know like i mean there's a lot here i can't really go into all of it right now but if you were able to do that deeper work around it what would come from that is a recognition that you are not so weak that you need to protect yourself from pain you would actually recognize that you are strong enough to feel pain, process it, and move through it. And as a result of that, you would have less fear. And you would have a greater ability to be vulnerable. And out of this greater ability to be vulnerable, what would emerge is a greater capacity for compassion, a greater capacity for understanding, and a greater ability to truly love authentically. And so this whole, this whole like playing all these games to try to never do anything that hurts, to try to never let anyone touch you on that vulnerable level, try, try to control all the circumstances so I never feel pain, that you've got to recognize that all of these games you play to try to avoid suffering is only making you suffer. Like, don't you see that? Don't you see that you're like, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to let anyone have the upper hand. I'm going to control all the circumstances. I'm going to present myself in the perfect way so that everyone likes me. And I'm going to, you know, do the right thing. And I'm, I'm going to text. I'm going to sit around and ruminate about the text messages and, you know, say the perfect thing at the perfect time and not be too needy, but also not be too distant and just oh my God, like blow my brains out already, please. Like you've got to recognize that doing all of that is only causing you to suffer more. Like it's just, it's, it's just perpetuating the problem. It would be so much easier to just vulnerably be yourself and be like, look, some people are going to reject me. That's going to hurt. When it happens, I'm just going to feel it and move on. Some people are going to love me. That's going to be great. When that happens, I'm going to receive it for as long as it lasts. And when it's not here anymore, I'm going to grieve it and move on. And, you know, like, I guess in either sense, you're not really safe from pain, right? In either sense, you're experiencing pain. But on, in the first option, you're experiencing pain and you're experiencing not being true to yourself. And you're experiencing a loss of identity and a loss of strength and a loss of power. In the second option, you still experience pain, but you experience authenticity. You experience a stronger identity. You experience greater strength, greater emotional availability, a greater capacity for love, a greater wisdom, a deeper understanding about life, about men, about women, about people, right? Like, so, I mean, when you look at the two options, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. And yet, I'd say a good 85% of the world population is stuck in the old model. And they fight for it. You know, it's like that woman I shared about at the beginning where, you know, I put up this, I put up this post on Instagram and it's like three things women should know about men. It wasn't even anything that intense or that, like it was just kind of, you know, things that women should know about men. 
And this woman felt the need to like fight me on every single point, even though she wasn't disagreeing, right? Like she was like basically saying the same thing as me, but her energy around it was an antagonistic energy. And what that shows me is like, you hate men. Like you just, you just don't want to give men a moment in the spotlight here. That's all it was. She just wanted to take something away from that and invalidate what was being said because she didn't think men were worthy of having a moment in the spotlight. And again, I'm not judging her. Like she must be deeply wounded to have responded that way. But, but what I'm pointing out is like, it must be tough to be you. It must be tough to have to do that in your life all the time. That must be hard, right? And, and it doesn't have to be that hard. So, uh, you know, going back to the question, how do you heal this? How do you open up to understanding and compassion? Well, you've got you've to do your own healing work for sure. Like that's a big part of it. You've got to do your own healing work. You've got to develop a capacity for vulnerability. You've got to develop a capacity to be with your own pain rather than avoid. And that's, that's going to go a long way. And then some of the practices like I talked about with Emily of consciously acknowledging like the gifts that men offer to your life, that would be another great practice. You know, cons- consciously acknowledging that like, you know, there, there is a part of you that does really appreciate men. There is a part of you, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be dating or seeking relationships with them if you didn't. Right. And so, and so really acknowledging that part and even like, that's, that's so vulnerable, right. To really, to really say like, I do see that there are great things about men. I do love men on a certain level. Like I do want a man in my life. And like, it's, it's so vulnerable to even say that. Because it would be so much easier to be like, I don't need men. I got this. I'm good on my own. But is that true for you? Is that authentic for you? And, you know, really, really allowing that aspect of yourself to be alive and to be expressed. Like, that's the way to do it. And and I know I've given you probably a a few different things here, but this is where, this is where you're going to have to take what I've said and, and in into it and find your own way through it for yourself. Um, so awesome questions, awesome questions. And thank you so much. I want to jump into this next question here. And, um, I have just maybe another five, 10 minutes or so. Um, question is how not to feel used if you date a guy and he shows more interest in sex than anything else. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because, I want to say that men and women, I think this is one of the biggest areas where we need to create more understanding because men and women have sex very differently. And I I think, you know, I would say like in my marriage with my wife, we have over the years gotten more and more on the same page about it, but I think we still probably see it differently. And you know, when like in dating, like I, I look at, I look at my experiences and, and honestly, like a, a lot of my understanding has come as a result of being married. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily have the understanding that I have now when I was dating, but men and women see sex very, very differently. And, 
you know, one of the, one of the biggest things is that most men are going to want to have sex right away. And it, it doesn't mean that he only wants you for sex, but that is, that is largely some of it's biological because I think men do have this biologic drive to kind of just get out there and spread their seed as much as they possibly can. And I think that is something that all men struggle with. But in addition to that, or I should say maybe because of that, but there's been a, there's been a cultural, um, there's been a cultural push for men to be like highly promiscuous to, you know, value sex above relationship to have sexual relations with many different women. Like there's, there's a strong cultural push for men to, to be this way in the, in the identity that men are sold as, as young boys, right? Like in, in grade school and high school, the, there's a, there's a certain image that's, that's promoted to young boys and I mean, largely it's done by their fathers. It's done by their older brothers. It's also done by the music and the media. I mean, you know, put on, put on any mainstream rap song. And one of the main topics they're going to talk about is, is, you know, how many women want them and they don't use as nice words as I'm using right now, but you know, it's basically about how many women they have and how they have their way with them in whatever way they want. It's like one of the, it's one of the main topics of rap music. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's very much culturally pushed on young boys that this is how they're supposed to be as a man. And, you know, I remember talking to my buddy, Michael about this and, um, you know, and he and I felt very similar about this. It's like, you know, we think about when we were, when we were little boys, like, I mean, little boys, like, you know, five years old, seven years old, 10 years old, you know, young. And when we would have like romantic ideas at that age, it was always about like having a girlfriend or being in love. Like it was, it was always about that. And this, this push to kind of be a player came much later in like, you know, middle school, high school, when we got to be around like a lot of other boys and, and older boys who had kind of already been conditioned into this. And that was something that, you know, Michael and I both said, we're like, that didn't come from inside of us. Like that came from the outside. That's not who we wanted to be from like the time we were young. That's who we were told to be. That's who we were taught to be. And I would suggest that most, most men are probably the same, but this, this cultural attitude is, is very strong. And, you know, I remember like I shared, I shared, um, when I was in high school earlier, I shared about my high school girlfriend who I fell in love with. And, you know, we were in a committed relationship and I was like really in love with her. Like when she dumped me, like I bawled my eyes out like a, like a baby. And, and I was ashamed of that even, right? Like it, it just, it hit me that hard. And I was even ashamed to have done that because, like, oh my God, if my boys saw me right now, what would they think, you know? And even, even when I was in a relationship with her and, you know, behind closed doors, we're planning our future together and we're saying we want to have kids and all this stuff. But 
you know, in front of my boys, it couldn't be like that. It had to be like, yeah, I got my girl and, and she's into it and, and like, whatever, you know, I I had to, I had to play this role of being like this dude with the upper hand because that's what I had to do to be accepted with the other boys who were around me. And when, um, you know, when we broke up, like, or when, when she broke up with me and I was like devastated. And like I said, I cried my eyes out. Well, I had to pull myself together pretty quickly, right? I couldn't just be a sobbing mess. Uh, again, what would my boys think? What, what would other women think? Right? Like, so, so what I had to do was I had to pull myself together and I had to, I had to like basically step into that. Like, I don't give a fuck about women. Right. And that was one, how I survived my own pain around it. Two, it was how I survived social acceptance around it. And, and so I, I'm saying all of this to say that I know I got way off topic there, but, but I, I say all of this to say that, you know, men see sex very differently. And there's, there's a lot of cultural programming that encourages men to conquest and, overcome and achieve and, and all of this. And what I, what I just want to say about that is, is one, you know, in response to the question. So going back to the question, the question is how to not feel used if you date a guy and he shows more interest in sex than anything else, right? How to not feel used by that. And what I want to say is like, look, some men will want to use you for sex. Some men are not connected to their hearts enough to acknowledge that they want women for something more than that. And the, the advice I often give women is like, you know, when you start dating a man, expect him to want to have sex right away because culturally he's been taught that that's what he's supposed to do. Culturally, he's been taught that if he doesn't do that, he is less of a man, right? So expect that right away. But I also, I also, encourage, and this is a sensitive topic, I know, but I'm just being honest based on my experience of coaching lots and lots of men and women, and also my personal experience. I also recommend that women don't allow that right away. And the reason I recommend that is because you don't want to teach him that that's what your relationship with him is about. And it's, and I'm not saying you need to wait an incredibly long amount of time. I think like my wife and I, when we started dating, we waited about a month and it was, it was her who was, it was her who was saying like, I want to wait. Like, I don't want to do this right away. Right. Um, but so going, going back to what I was saying is that I think it's, it's advisable for women to not allow the relationship to go there right away because you don't want to teach him that that's what this relationship is about, right? You, you want to let him know that you would like to go there at, at the right time. You want to let him know that you're attracted to him. And, and yes, you know, at the right time, that's, that's great. But you also want to let him know that you are not going to be used for sex, right? Like that's like, he doesn't get to do that with you. And like, like I'm going to say, ladies, any man you meet, has likely been conditioned to believe that he should use women for sex. Like, like the way, the way men are taught to, to relate to this is like sex first, sex with anyone I have the opportunity for. And if it evolves into a relationship with the right person, that could be a good thing. 
But men, usually on like the first date, how do I say this? It's like, it's like they kind of show up to it. Like if I get sex out of this, it's a real win for me. If I get a relationship out of this, that's not a real win, right? If I get sex and it evolves into a relationship and it's the right person, that could be cool. But as long as I walk away from this, having gotten sex from it, I got what I needed here, right? Like I, it was a win for me. Like that is honestly, that is the cultural programming that most men receive around it. And so what I want to say to the women is don't let him have that win like that. Don't let him just get in there, get laid. And then he goes home thinking, all right, it's a win for me. Now I don't really care what happens in the relationship. If I never speak to her again, at least I got my win, right? Like don't set yourself up for that. What you want to do is again, let him know that you're a sexual being Let him know that you have interest in that as well. Let him know that you're attracted to him. Let him know that you would love for it to go there. But also let him know that that's only going to happen within a context in which you feel honored and respected. And then what happens is when you let him know that, it's kind of like a challenge because now you give him the opportunity to either honor that or not. Right, You give him the opportunity to, to honor that and be like, okay, yeah, I'm like, if, if you want to have a relationship first, I, I get that because I'll, I'll share what happened for me, right? And, and, and I'll, I'll admit, like, I was, I was deeper than most men when I met my wife. I'll, I'll say that. Like, I had, been, I had been doing personal growth work for many years I, I studied A Course in Miracles religiously. I went to spiritual circles. You know, I, I did have like a deep love and respect for women. I did. And at the same time, like I never wanted to be disrespectful, but at the same time, I still had a lot of this programming. I still had a lot of this, like this feeling of like, you know, sex is the real win. A relationship could be a bonus, but as long as I get laid, that's what really matters. And, you know, what, what my wife did, and I think she was very wise and she was very empowered to do this is she made it clear to me that that's not what our relationship was going to be about. And if I, if I had, if I had a sincere interest in her, and if I wanted a relationship with her, that it was not going to be a relationship that was just about sex. And she didn't necessarily tell me that in her words, Right. But it was, it was with the way it was with her way. It was with her boundaries. It was with the way we engaged and communicated with each other. And so like what that did, first of all, was that like that created an incredible respect for her in, in me because I was like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. Like, like she really knows what she wants. She really knows the kind of woman she is. She knows what she wants from me. She's not going to allow herself to be used by me in any way. And like that just, that created an incredible amount of respect. And I was like, I was like, you're amazing. <laughs> right. And, and then what happened is it, it basically, it got rid of that kind of, um, that kind of conquest mentality 
right? Where our relationship wasn't about that anymore. And it became about really getting to know each other. It became about really developing an authentic connection with each other. And when we got there, which like I said, it it wasn't like she made me wait for six months, you know, we got there very naturally within a month or so. But when we got there, there was, there was an incredible appreciation for the fact that she was actually letting me go there, right? That she was actually like, like she actually wanted this enough to go there with me, that she actually wanted me enough to go there with me. And because we had spent like this whole month building a relationship with each other as human beings versus a sexual relationship, and I got to know her as a person rather than uh, rather than a sexual, I don't want to say object because I never viewed women that way, but but as like a sexual relationship or a sexual conquest, right? This, this was actually a personal relationship for me. It made, when we took it there, when we took it to that level, it made it so much better for me. It made it so much meaningful for me. And look, I, like, I would say most of the women I slept with in my past, I, I haven't slept with an incredible amount of women, And most of the women I slept with in my past, with maybe a few exceptions, did turn into some kind of longer term relationship. So it's, it's not, it's not like I was going around hooking up with women and never talking to them again. I was never like that. But, but what I want to say is that the way, the way that what my wife did was different for me was that in most of, in most of my relationships, this is how it would work. I would meet someone we would hook up in the first date or two. Usually, usually if, if we didn't hook up in the first couple of dates, the relationship didn't go anywhere. And, and we would hook up in the first date or two. And then what would happen is we would just have a primarily sexual relationship. And every time we got together, we would hook up. And this would last for like sometimes six months to a year. Right. And then what would start to happen is the reality of the individuals would start to disrupt this kind of sexual bliss that we were in. And because, because there wasn't a really strong foundation for the relationship we had at the beginning, it was like, it was really easy to break up at that point. Because our, the entire foundation of our relationship was sexual. Like for, for six months, all we had had together was a lot of great sex. And so when it got to the point where it started to be difficult to have that, where the reality of the personalities involved started to get in the way of that, it was really easy to just be like, this doesn't work, right? Because it felt like everything our relationship was based on that we were losing it. And what was different about my relationship with my wife was that we didn't have that like sexual foundation for the relationship. We had a relational foundation for the relationship. And so what that, what that meant was that, you know, when, when we got to a place in our relationship where, and like, look, once we started sleeping together, we, we were very active and, you know, we, we kind of went through that same, 
trajectory that a lot of my relationships had been on where, you know, we didn't leave the bedroom for the first couple months. But, but what was different about it was we had a, we had a relational foundation that the sex was being built on top of versus the whole relationship just being about sex. And what I want to say too is like, I, I was a, I was a man who like, like a one night stand never really felt good to me. I've, I've maybe had a couple of them in my life. If even that, I'm like trying to think, but like, like usually if I were to, if I were to connect with someone on that level, I would want to see them again. But I've all, I've also always been kind of more relational in nature. And I, I think a lot of men, when they sleep with someone on the first or the second date, um, when they sleep with someone on the first or the second date, what happens to them is, is they become very insecure, right? And they might have a fear of like, how did I perform? They might have a fear of, um, you know, did I last long enough? Is she talking to her friends about me? Like, like all these, all these things might be going on for him. And it is so much easier and so much less vulnerable for a man to just disappear at that point because he can go back to his buddies and be like, got another notch on my belt and he can boost his ego up with that. And he never has to deal with the vulnerable, the vulnerable aspects of, did I perform well enough? You know, does, does she like, was she pleased? Was she satisfied? Does she want me again? Right. If, and what I want to say is that if you have a relational foundation first, he will likely feel safe enough to not let those insecurities cause him to just avoid the relationship altogether. I hope what I'm saying is making sense right now. But, you know, it's, I'll, I'll just reiterate it for, hopefully I can say it a little more clearly, is that, is that you know, a man is often very secure or, or very insecure after the first time he has sex with a woman. And it is so much easier for him to disappear after that and use it as another conquest, as another notch on his belt, as another, you know, I got mine and boost his ego with it than it is for him to actually face up to, did I perform well? Was she pleased? And so what I've been saying is having that relational foundation to begin with right? When there's, when there's some trust, there's some vulnerability, there's some rapport, he's going to likely feel much safer to confront those issues than he would if he had no relationship with you. So I, I know, I, I know it kind of puts a lot of pressure on women to take the lead in this respect. Um, because and, and I, I can even understand it being a little unfair. You know, women say like, I want sex too. Like, why should I have to be the one who waits? And I get it. It's not fair. And like, it, it's not really cool. Like, I get that. I, I really do. But I think in the current state of things, you know, a, a lot of us, a lot of us like to get mad about things and say, well, that's not fair and that's not right. And you know, we like to, we like to get mad about it 
because we don't really want to, we don't really want to, um, be awake to the reality of the situation, right? We want to talk about how it should be. We want to talk about what would be right or what would be wrong with it, but we don't really want to be present to the reality of the situation. And, and what I want to say is the reality of the situation is this is where men are in our world right now. And it doesn't mean they're bad guys. It doesn't mean that like many of them are not men who actually could love and could be committed. But it, as a woman, it very much behooves you to not allow a man to start your relationship with him on a sexual note. And I get it. That's not fair. I get it. That's a lot of responsibility to put on you. I get it that, you know, in a perfect world, it would not be that way. But I think the reality of, of, of our world is that, that it very much behooves you to require a man to form some kind of deep relationship with you. And that might be a little bit extreme, but, but to, you know, to, to have a, an emotional relationship with you before you sleep with him. Um, and the, the caveat I would give to that is if you're totally okay with just hooking up and you never speak with someone again after that, like if you literally just want to go out, hook up with someone, have a good time. And if you never hear from them again, you're okay with that then fine, go do it. Like I'm not, this isn't a judgment value about, you know, if you, if you sleep around, you're less worthy. Like it's, it's not that kind of judgment value. This is more a strategic conversation I'm having with you, right? It's more about like, if you want, if you want men to see and feel about you as though you are more than, than just a sexual relationship, if, if you want him to really feel that you are the kind of person that he would have a life partnership with, then require him to develop that relationship with you before you sleep with him. And I, I saw somebody ask the question. They said, um, they said, how long did me and my wife wait? I, I said earlier, we waited about a month, but I don't want to say that that's a rule. Like, I, I don't want to say everybody wait a month. Like that's, that's lame. And if, if you, if you create a rule for yourself like that, you're just going to adhere to the rule, but you're not going to create what I'm talking about, right? Adhering to rigid rules does not create what I'm talking about here. So what I would say is instead of adhering to some kind of rule about it, I would say engage in relationships with men in a vulnerable way. Open yourself up to these relationships in a vulnerable way. Make yourself emotionally available to a man and gauge his willingness to be emotionally available with you. And when you feel that that emotional connection is there, when you, you know, intuitively feel like, okay, I'm ready to take the step with him, that would be the time to do it. You know, you could be checking off the 30 days on your calendar and, and he could be checking off the 30 days on his calendar. And the moment you get to 30 days, he gets his conquest and he's done, right? So that is not the way to do it. The way to do it is to really engage in a heartfelt relationship with him. Gauge his willingness to engage with you in that way. And when you intuitively feel that you've reached that point 
where you feel safe and you feel honored and you feel respected and you feel like, like protected by him, like he would not want to hurt you, right? Like when you feel that in the relationship, that's the time when you go there. And like, I would actually, I would give the exact same advice to men. They probably wouldn't listen, you know, but I would give them the exact same advice. Um, you know, establish that emotional relatability first and then, and then have your sexual relationship evolve as a, as an extension of that, as, as a greater, a greater expression of that. And by the way, if you do that, the sex will be way better too. So, um, that's it. I'm going to end with that. I think, uh, we've talked about a lot today. We've gone for over two hours now. I I try to keep these podcasts under two hours, but sometimes we're just talking about so much good stuff. I don't want to drop it, but, um, anyway, I want to say thank you so much, um, to those of you who've been with me today, to those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, um, lots of love to you and thank you for being with me. Um, this has been a great chat. I've really, I've really loved everywhere we've went and everything we've explored today. Um, some of the questions that have come in have been really awesome. So yeah, lots of love to everybody. Um, thank you for being with me. You know, I, I hope I have inspired you to really heal your relationship to the opposite sex, be it men or women. Um, you know, for any gay listeners who might be listening to this, I hope I've inspired you to heal your relationship with the same sex in whatever way that might be showing up for you. Um, but you know, you know, most importantly it it is as with, as with everything I speak about here, the most important thing is that love is the primary force in all of our interactions. Um, that really is the most important thing. So, so much love to everybody. Thank you for being with me today. This is the Conscious Love Show podcast. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. I'll be back here live with you next Tuesday. Thanks for being with me and we'll see you then. Bye everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.